Zemo ESPN Sports Network. All right. A Monday, and this is the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at SEMOESPN.com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bolin inviting you to join us here in the huddle. Here's our huddle hotline number powered by EBOMD. It's 573 334 1220-573-334-1220, our EBOMD huddle hotline. Marty Michaud, the Monday Marty party, a little bit later on in the show. Hang on for that. Jess Bolin in the house after a uh, an eventful weekend, right? Oh, it was perfect. It was perfect. All my teams lost, so it was perfect in that respect. You know, it started out with the Friday night with the Blues losing the Blue Jackets 5-2. And then the next night they play again. Saturday, 3-1, they got beat by the Blackhawks. And then, uh, well, let's watch Kansas-Mizzou. Nope, Kansas by nine. And then, thought, well, let's hop, watch SEMO. Maybe they can win. Nope, 89-80. And how about Buffalo and Kansas City? Surely the Kansas City Chiefs can win at home. No, 2017. And thought, well, maybe Dallas would get beat because that still saves some of the no, no. Dallas won beat down. What was it, thirty to twelve? So it was a perfect week. All my teams lost. I did, you know, we both did pick Dallas to win over the Eagles. Right now, you know, you got to give Dallas some credit. They played well last night. The Eagles did not. I didn't think. I thought there's too many Dallas players running completely loose in the backfield for receivers. It was guys getting open by 10 yards, you know. I mean, it, uh, the Eagles' defense looked awful. But that's not to take away from Dallas. I think Dallas is finally playing what people thought they might, you know, down the last three, four, five years. Prescott looks a lot better. I'd say right now the two best teams in the NFL C would be San Francisco and Dallas. San Francisco beat Dallas down last time they played, but they may have to do that again because teams have been known to improve as the year goes on. And right now, I think Dallas looks like the second best team or the first place team in the NFC East. And it looks like the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be playing a road game if they make the playoffs. I think they will make the playoffs, but it's going to be a first for Patrick Mahomes to go on the road and win. And the game last night, Eric, I know you brought it up in your capsule report about the play that actually changed the game. It it did. It changed the game. But can you not line up completely off? The Chiefs had no argument whatsoever. Tony's feet was uh, – I don't know how you can do that in a big play, you know, just not even, all you got to do is look down at the ball, look down the line at the ball. Listen, the guy has been a wide receiver since he was in high school. You point at the referee, the sideline judge, am I good? Yes, you're good. No, you're not good. That's it. You've been doing it since high school, since JV football if you're a wide receiver. And Kansas City, I thought, was a little bit of sour grapes. 
after the game even, when they were interviewed, Mahomes and Reed, talking about it was at the they did say, at least Mahomes said it was in the moment that he was having a problem with it. But <laughs> it was a it was a penalty against Dallas. Boy, wasn't that a beautiful play, though? That might have been the prettiest play I've seen all season on Kelsey's lateral. It was a lateral pass, really. But wasn't that pretty? That was <laughs> at that time of the game and everything. He used to be a quarterback. I know. And it it was beautiful. To call that one back is terrible. But you know what? The rules are the rules, and Kansas City has no what right. What they were arguing after the game is you never see that called. Oh, yes, you do. Now you do. You said that's the 11th time it's been called this year? Yeah. Out of how many plays? Well, I don't care. Thousands. I don't care. It's a penalty. I, it's I know penalty. it's a penalty. Listen, I'm saying that is what the Chiefs were saying after the game. He was well, clearly it, you know what? in the neutral zone. I, I can understand their thinking a little bit because you, you, there's a rule in baseball. You remember the old rule of in the area on second base double plays? I've seen, and I lost a key game in the national tournament one time because they said our second baseman missed the bag, and he he was within. I don't know if he did or not, but he was within, you know, close enough from the dugout. It looked like he stepped on it, so he had to be real close. And they called that out there. It cost me a ball game. We finished, wound up finishing fourth. That would have propelled us to the top two teams. So. I know what it's like to get a call made. That, how many times do you see that call? You remember back in the, in the day where, you know, you now they'll run a replay on it, and you you better touch the bag at second on a double play. But back I, in the day, I remember they guys. They said the in, the in the neighborhood call was a safety issue. Yes, it was. And so even though guys didn't step on the bag, it was – and I've finally, seen guys they the cracked bag. down on it and said, you have to touch the bag, and we're going to look at replay. by a foot at second base. Just got, you know, the, well, he didn't even come close to the bag and not get it called. So that's the part that I think Mahomes was arguing. You just don't see it call much. Well, that's true. But when it does, it hurts when you get that call made. But Mahomes was, a, was losing his mind on the sideline. He was frustrated, first of all, that they suck. Yeah. That's one thing. That's they, part of it. They suck. In the last six games, they have scored over 20 points once, and that was 21 points. That's You hit the nail on the head, Eric, because when a team that just just wins every time they walk out there, like Chiefs have done last, since Mahomes has been there, never played a road, home, uh, a road game, on uh, playoffs, how do you handle it when it goes the other direction? And the Chiefs didn't handle it well last night because the frustration of what you just said of not scoring up to what they did in the past, I didn't think they handled losing very well. And the Chiefs, got to admit, right now they're not one of the top two teams in, in the AFC, much less in the NFL. And it's because they're not a top five team in the NFL. The re- the wide receivers they don't have any. You know they got some guys that they make a great catch once in a while and then drop two and hit them right in the hands. That's not consistent enough. So here's here's Jim. you know when Tyreek Hill we we said that you know there's a guy you might want to up the ante and keep him. 
but they didn't. So now you're seeing what that one wide receiver, and then the guy that makes a great catch in the game and drops two, you just don't go to him because you've got a go-to guy in Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, a couple of them. Believe me, folks, it makes a difference. One player can make a major difference. Don't you agree? They look pedestrian on their pass offense now. Since they started 6-1, and one, you cannot watch a Chiefs game and think this is a playoff team. Or if they sneak into the playoffs, you cannot watch a Chiefs game and say they are a factor in the playoffs. They're not! No, and when they'd get 14 they behind... They are not. When they get 14 behind, you knew they were coming back. Do you remember the playoff game against Texas? When they fell to like 24-3 to right off the bat and came back and won that game? Right now, like, when they got behind in that game 14 to nothing, didn't you? did you see them coming back? I thought, oh, they're just about out I, of this I game. I thought they were going to lose. Because they can't score 20 points. And they can't have a possession, an offensive possession, without a penalty. No. They, they cannot. No, no, they can't. Here is Tony Romo and Jim Nance last night on the Kadarius Tony brain lock. And I can't believe it. Off number 19, offense, lined up in the neutral zone. Wow. Five-yard penalty. Check it out. Tony was lined up. You've got to be kidding in me. In the neutral zone. So <laughs> Travis Kelsey, who went to Cincinnati at a Cleveland Heights High School in Ohio, an old quarterback, threw a perfect spiral for a, what looked like an improbable touchdown. That it just can't happen. These receivers can't get out of the way of hurting the team too many times at the end of the game. These young receivers can't get out of the way of hurting this team at the end of the game. Is that a true or false statement? Because he got lit up on social media for saying. Thank you for letting me say my opinion first. And then here, a guy like Tony Romo say the same thing. I don't think it takes a, a genius to see what's wrong with Kansas City, me or Tony Romo. But it's true. What he said and what I said is true. They just, they're losing games at wide receiver. And you're losing games, like you said, with penalties and lining up wrong mistakes that kill you. And they got, they got some work to done, do. They got to clean up. So on a podcast, Hall of Fame NFL tight end Shannon Sharp, who is a regular member of First Take, used to work with Skip Bayless until he just couldn't deal with that cartoon character anymore. Doing a podcast after the game with Chad Ochocinco, former Cincinnati Bengals receiver. Your thoughts here on what Shannon Sharp had to say about this play. It's like when someone steals a car. Yes, sir. And instead of we getting mad at the person that's the person that stole the car, mm -hmm. we blame the police for chasing them. See, we not <laughs> see you did the same thing. That, you didn't blame Kadarius Tony at first. You blamed mm -hmm. the official and said, "Why you call that in that situation?" I know. I, I was I was saying just because I don't want to leave the game in the officials' hands. I don't. He like did that. that. If he, let me ask you a question. If yeah. he lines up, if he's not lined up offsides, how's the game in the official hands? He put the game in the official hands right, right, by his right. alignment. Right, 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 
Right. I'm just, I said he was at fault now. I said, I said, I said he was at fault, but, but I'm, I'm just saying, I just OG. wish it hadn't to come down to the officials I, being the ones. He, ro- to- he robbed us of the player of the year. He robbed us of that, Ocho. He took yeah. that away from us. Imagine mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey highlight tape when he goes into the Hall of Fame. That's mm-hmm. number one. And yeah. he had a he had a game winning catch in the in the, uh, 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 the divisional round of the playoffs. He, yes, the overtime catches he had some tremendous catches. The mm-hmm. ones against the Chargers in overtime game winning mm-hmm. catches he goes 40, 50 yards for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. That would have been the play of Travis Kelsey's yeah. career, and he robbed us of that. Mm-hmm. He did that, not the yeah. official. He did it. Kadarius Tony has made a couple of plays as a chief. I I mean I I am. If I'm in the Chiefs front office this morning, I'm having a meeting and discussing, are we cutting Kadarius Toney from this football team? They got him that way. Yes. Poor play. There's another game. You remember his first game of the Chiefs where he dropped about four three, passes? Three drops in, in one game? I, re- I came on the show the following, rolled back the tape, and I said he, can't catch, he couldn't catch a baseball if he had a big glove. He can't catch anything. Passes were hitting him right square in the chest and dropping them. And so he's cost the Chiefs. If you want to, I don't believe in that, pointing to just that one guy. But he's directly responsible. Big hand, and the Chiefs losing two games. That one last night and the one opening game where Detroit he against couldn't Detroit. catch the ball. There would have been one minute and 12 seconds left now could the buffalo bills sure. have gone down and scored a touchdown sure but they couldn't have tied it with a field goal so i'm not saying he lost the game but he lost the opportunity for right. the chiefs to take the lead they took the lead if he just looked at the referee and said am i on sides after the game a pool reporter went into the officials room talked to the officials and said listen when you are lined up that far in the neutral zone that we can't even see the ball, and we do not, and Andy Reid was making the case after the game, he didn't get any kind of a warning that he was lined up offside. The official said, he, have to he does warning. not have, we do not have to give them a warning. No. But if he turns and asks the official, yes. the official would have told him, you are in the neutral zone. There is no confirmation one way or the other. We have not seen any video evidence that Kadarius Tony indeed turned, looked at the official, the side judge, and pointed at him to say, am I good? And I agree with what Shannon Sharp said. You know, he said, the, the other guy that was on there was talking about the, the officials take over the game. No, no. He didn't make a bad call. If he made a wrong call, that'd be different. Or a no call on pass interference or something like that, that'd be different that they had too much of an effect on the game. But all he was doing was what he's paid to be doing. He's, he knows the rules, the re, the ref does, and he made a call that was obvious. If you make your so li- don't blame the referee. If you make your living, a tremendous living, as a wide receiver in the National Football League, two of your biggest, biggest responsibilities, first of all, catch the ball, secondly, Line up on sides. <laughs> Line up out of the neutral That's zone. That's a high school mistake. These are, I mean, these are basic things for someone who is a paid professional. I, I mean, would you preach to the choir? If buddy? he does not get cut, 
<clears throat> Do you think there's going to be a time when Kadarius Tony lines up on the line of scrimmage and does not check with the official? I mean, how how many hundreds of times have you watched a play and watched a receiver point to the sideline just to get confirmation? That is a, just a minor thing that they do. And once in a while, you'll see a guy point to the sideline and then you'll see him take a half step back because he lined up If they wrong. don't cut him now, it's simply because of one reason. They're so bad at the wide receiver. They are so depleted. That they might have to keep him till the end of the season just because he might catch a ball once in a while to help you win. That's the only reason that they wouldn't have anybody available to replace him. Because I don't care what kind of talent you got. I don't care what kind of speed you got. If you can't, it's just like an outfielder in big league baseball. If you got the running speed of, a, of 30 feet a second, let's say, that's world-class speed in a sprint. And you get to the ball, but when you get to the ball, you drop it on hard catches. What's the use of having a speed? The speed does nothing for you because you can't make the play when you get there. And that's exactly the way that this young man is. He can't make the play. And, and he's got talent, lots of talent, but he's not getting the most out of it. The first round sooner or later, you have to give first up. first round draft pick by the New York Giants. You've got to give up on people like that sooner or later. And the Giants did. Yes, and the Chiefs will you think too. The, you think the Giants are loaded with talent at and wide receiver? And the Chiefs will give up on him too. And when he does, he's going to have a hard time latching on with another NFL team. He might, but it's it's going to be difficult for him to stay in the NFL if the Chiefs let him go for the same reasons the Giants did, and why not? I mean, you know, it's a it's a big business. We talk about that a lot. Major League Sports is big business, and you can't have somebody tearing your business down and keep them on the payroll. Right now, and I'm not laying all the blame on him. You, you know, the Chiefs should be scoring 30 points a game with overall talent they got. The last six games, they're averaging eight. I know it. They can't get twenty, and so it's not all his solely his fault. But that game last night, if the Chiefs got that touchdown, they would uh, they'd have to have a touchdown to beat the Chiefs because that would give them a four point lead. If I'm correct, they were three down, and so that changes. The team's got to score a touchdown. That I don't know. It's, It's just one of those things that. It happens once a year to somebody, you know, a call like this. But it's if I was coaching this team, I would not blame the referee because. Hey. Let me ask you this. Had that call not been made last night, what would everybody be talking about when they showed the replay and he's clearly in the neutral zone, social media started posting still frames of him in the neutral zone, the Chiefs get every call. I tell you that yeah. time after time, what is going on with the NFL? And officiating? what did that game mean to the Buffalo Bills? Everything. Yeah. And, and so you think they wouldn't be squealing like a pig under a gate if if they would have gotten that call for the Chiefs? If the Chiefs would have got the call and then they see a replay that he was just blatantly offsides? The Chiefs stink. That could cost them their season. They stink. So it probably would have cost them their season, don't you think? If they'd lost it, wouldn't they fell under 500? Yes, they would have been six yeah. and seven. Yeah. 
So that meant now they've the world still got them. an uphill climb to make the playoffs, but they're still in the but mix. But the point is that play could have cost them making it. And guess what? The Chiefs only have a one-game lead on the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I mean, they're not even a shoe-in to win the division. No, they're not. That's how bad they stink right now. They started 6-1, and one and people are, okay, well, even though they were 6-1, and one, you and I were talking on this show, I feel uneasy about this offense oh, and about soft, this receiving core. 6-1. Right now, and now they're two and four. You couldn't watch the last six games and think that this team is a contender. No, if you think eighteen points from an offense over the span of six games, if you're an eighteen point offense, do you think you're doing anything in the you playoffs? Be Chicago Bears of eighty five. Are you doing anything in the playoffs at eighteen no. points per game? No, you're not. I mean, it's simple as that. Uh, the well, I don't know how long we can beat this horse, but anyway, they. It's a major topic. The two well, it topics, will be the major topic. The two topics of the day from the National Football League are how awesome the Dallas Cowboys are playing right now. Yeah. How awesome they are playing. And secondly, the way the Chiefs game ended. Those those are the biggest two topics in the National and Football League. And as it turns Name out. Name me a bigger topic. That, Justin Herbert could be out for the year with a broken finger. Okay, that's a big topic, but those are the two topics. Dallas, Philadelphia, and look at the Cowboys. They have caught the Eagles in the NFC East. And the way that the Chiefs gagged that game up last night. And the offsides call. Not that it wasn't the right call. I don't. There, you cannot make an argument the other way. And for those same people, those same people who are anti-Chiefs, who just cried about the holding call in the Super Bowl that allowed the Chiefs to get in field goal range and kick the game winner. The same two people people that say, you cannot call that. There was a clear hold, but you can't call that at that point in the game, crunch time in the Super Bowl. Well, you can't come back and then say, you absolutely cannot call that play in a critical spot because he lined up in the neutral zone and it had no effect on the play. They know. Is well, it a foul or is it not a foul? I thought last night, and this is just a psychological view, I thought the Chiefs looked like sore losers after the game. There I'm is no doubt sorry, about that. Sorry, I can't help it. Uh, and it's, it's what we talked about a while ago. They're so used to winning. They're so used to putting up 35, 40 points that they can't do it with this crew. And the frustration set in that they could have won that game on that play. And, I, you know, they just didn't handle it well. I mean, and that's what happens when a, when a big king or something like that falls from the throne. They can't handle it. And the Chiefs have been on that throne for a while. They, they didn't handle it at all very well. I would be, I was disappointed in the post game. I know, I know. You, Andy you make Reed, that old cry. Andy Reid said it's embarrassing for the NFL. I don't know if he saw the video, no. but as a coach, you're saying, listen, it's just like on a kick return or a punt return for a touchdown. There is maybe a hold or a or an illegal block. 
20 yards away from the play. Did not affect the play at all. But coaches will say, come on, that had no bearing on the play. I can see where Reed might say that had no bearing on the play, and it didn't. No. But is it a foul or is it not a foul? And, you know, I, how many plays do the officiating crew have to call? And that's a tough job to be out there making 200 calls a game or violations or over, you know, whatever. But I noticed one thing last few years with the replay. When they call holding on somebody or they call this, they'll call that, they don't get a lot of them wrong. I mean, they do get one wrong once in a while, but the officials do a good job. And for my homes to say, here we are talking about the officials, that's not good. Well, yeah, it is. I think it vindicated the officials. But how many times, I mean, even, okay, on the non-pass interference call on Valdez Scantling, he did not go off on the officials after the game. He could have gone off on them. He did not. And how about the young man that had a perfect game? Remember in the bad call at first Armando Galarraga. Yeah, he handled that with professional class. Made the wrong call. Remember, he took the lineup card out the next day. Is he has held his tongue? How many times in press conferences after the Detroit game, after the same guy Valdez Scantling dropped the game-winning touchdown pass, dropped it after the game? Mahomes didn't throw anybody under the bus. He didn't go off on the officials after they clearly blew a pass interference call against the Green Bay Packers. But now they're losing yes. a lot. And he was just frustrated. That's one of the biggest things about coaching. Think, uh, well, I, <laughs> any level coaching is it's not how you handle wins. It's how you handle and what you do when you're struggling and when you're making mistakes and when you're losing. There's where the coaching comes in. Everybody is piling on Mahomes for what he said afterwards. And, you know, it, he's he's out of line unless he did not see the replay. Now, for him to say it didn't affect the play, okay, I can see that, but it's still... You shouldn't do an interview. It's still... Well, he's got... He, the NFL mandates he's got to go I know that, talk. but I want to say you shouldn't see the interview before you see the replay. What I'm saying is this... He has held his tongue a bunch. Yes, he has. And finally he decided, that's it. We stink. We've lost four of six. We, but, can't, we can't even score three touchdowns in a football he game. He didn't throw his team snapped. under the bus. That's true. He didn't throw his team under the bus, but he threw the officials under. Yes, he did. And, you know, that's just as bad. They made the right call. I'm a Chiefs fan. I am too. They may, He was in the neutral zone. Here's a guy who has called football games as a zebra for, we're talking nearly three decades. Richard Weezer is on the Huddle Hotline, powered by EBOMD. Weez, welcome into the Huddle. Hey, good morning, guys. Well, as an official, I'm going to tell you that uh, uh, if you roll back the tape, Jess, uh, <laughs> earlier in the game, Philadelphia was called an offensive left guard lining up in the neutral zone yes. when they were do, trying to do the tush push, the yeah. brotherly love thing, and uh, uh, I didn't hear Philadelphia complain about that one. Well, and, and Rick, uh, do you agree with me? They make so many calls during the game. My goodness, every time that ball snaps, you you know you've got holding calls, you've got offsides, you've got illegal motion, you've got so many calls to make. 
pass it, yep, you know, yep. five yards. Well, you can't touch those the rest. At, at that level, the athletes are so fast, so big, so quick. They almost have to resort to that, or you get your quarterback killed every play. And every but time, go ahead. At they, those guys, those guys, as you say, those officials, you know, they're ninety nine percent right, and the replays prove it. As did that play. I agree. That's exactly what I was going to say. The replays show that they are just right a high degree of times compared to when they're wrong. And I, you know, I know that if he may, didn't make that call, the Eagles would be screaming. Oh, yeah. There's and no doubt. That, I don't but, mean the Eagles. Know, it, I mean it, Buffalo. It just, it, yeah. yeah. And it just goes back to the fact that, uh, uh, you know, those guys get it right most of the time. And I'm going to say that uh, because the – and I'm a Chiefs fan like you guys are. I love to watch them. They're great entertainment. When, you, when you're on the losing end, your emotions get the better of you. That's exactly right. And, and Rick, you played a lot of sports in your life. Don't you agree that you've got to handle difficult times better than what they handled that last night? Hell yeah. Everybody yeah, goes you know, through goes, ups goes and downs. Ways. You're going to be can, classic. Can we get, Mahomes, Mahomes will learn from that. Can we give Mahomes any bit of a pass since he has held his tongue about how horrid some of the things that the Chiefs have done that did not involve him in post-game press conferences? Oh, I think so. I don't think there's any doubt. He's been class all the way through. and But now that this has happened, he's really given fuel to the, the anti-Chiefs fans. <laughs> say they're just oh, yeah. Anti-Chiefs. I mean, if you get on – and I'm, I know you're not a social media guy. I am. Uh, it's part of my I'm job. Not. Part of my job is to, you know – follow everything that I can and all the people that I follow on Twitter who are employed by all the sports, college football experts, NFL, whatever. And the bottom line is this. There is this, There had been this gr- national growing sentiment, much like when the Patriots were winning and winning and winning with Brady, uh, starting with the tuck rule call, that Brady and the Pats get every freaking call. Well, the last couple of seasons, including earlier this year, the growing sentiment is, first of all, nationally, people have Chiefs fatigue, and it's not their fault. All they do is win, and it's not Patrick Mahomes' fault, you know, because he does a lot of commercials and experts fawn over him. But there's this growing sentiment that the Chiefs get every call, and so people are reveling today in what happened last night. Anybody that's not a Chiefs fan is celebrating. You're exactly right. Yeah, but for Chiefs fans to come out and have a problem with that call and to say, okay, he may have been offsides, but you can't call it. No, no, no. That's just not the way it's done. Yeah, if you didn't have instant replay, you might get away with that, but not anymore. I You're agree with you. Right. Yep. You know, right, I guys. said good, uh, good talking to you all. Before you go, Rick, I've said all my okay. life as a manager, and I managed quite a few games. That all I care about is get the call right. And I think most athletes feel that way. And, you know, instant replay has allowed that to happen. Uh, Not always, but a big part of it. And so when he looks at the replay, Mahomes needs to say, well, you know what? If he didn't watch it before the interview, that's a shame. Because I don't think he would have came out that way if he'd seen the, you know, if he'd seen the replay. Because how could you? Of course, he hadn't seen the replay. Right. 
you know, so I, I understand his frustration there, but um, I, I don't think he'll ever throw his helmet again. And you can um, find it on social media, the unedited version. They have sound. Okay, you can see it, and we can't play it on this show because there are F-bombs from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, When he was shaking hands with Josh Allen, all he was talking about was that call. How was that call made? When do you ever see offensive offsides called? Uh, You know, you can find that. And, you know, I can understand his frustration, uh, but he is more frustrated with the state of the Chiefs than with that one particular call. Yeah, I'm sure that's right. And another don't thing, you think too, Josh... <laughs> uh, ahead, boys, the, the eventual ending to that play <laughs> makes is why you argue so much. If there was a just an incomplete pass or something like that, and they get that penalty call, they wouldn't be near as much grabbing. But the way the play eventually wound up is because of all these singer. Yeah. Yeah, and if you'll notice that the the flag didn't get thrown after the touchdown; it was thrown immediately. Right. As soon as that ball was snapped, that flag was in the air. Right. So, earlier you know. earlier this year, there was a pass interference call. Uh, the flag was thrown after the play after the Chiefs receiver did not make the catch, and so immediately conspiracy theorists all uh, you know combined together to oh. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. It's always yeah. it's uh, social media is a cesspool, but sometimes it can be fun. <laughs> All right, that's we right. that's right. Great, great to talk to you. Okay, brothers, you guys take care. All right, that is uh, Wees. You want to see? Uh, you, you want Marty to weigh in on this uh, controversy, Jess? <clears throat> always Marty. All yes. right, the Love Shack gonna join us after the timeout. The Sports Huddle is on SEMO ESPN. Love Shack next. It's the Sports Tunnel on SEMO ESPN. 1220, 93.5 FM. Dot com. Eric Sean and Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bolin. It is time for the Monday Marty Party, where we head to the EBOMD Huddle Hotline and welcome in the Love Shack, Marty Michelle. How was your weekend, Marty? Oh man, great weekend! So much good sports to watch. It was a uh, it was a good good weekend to be shut in and just watching left sports left and right. A lot of good stuff. All right, uh, your thoughts on the end of the. Uh, Chiefs game and how they are fading out of sight at the moment. First, I want to say I think it, it's almost kind of funny not to make fun of uh, the Chiefs fans, but around this area, up till a few years ago, I don't think anybody gave two hoots about the Chiefs. Once the Rams left, now everybody's miserable when the Chiefs don't do good. So I think it's kind of kind of funny but uh but if anyway, you were a rams fan and they took your team and we have one <laughs> team in this state you can understand how people like jess and i will no, no, shift I, our allegiance I, I i understand like i say i'm not so much a fan of teams i like to watch i'm a fan of players and then i just love to watch great games when i sit down for a game rarely do i even care a whole lot about who wins the game i just really want to watch a great game but anyway i understand when people are Fans, we've always said fans is short for fanatic, so people get 
But anyway, I don't know how you could argue that penalty. I mean, the guy was so far. And, and when you when you heard the referee, uh, a guy they had on the Sunday night game last night, he said this year, I guess, it's more – he said last year this was only called twice. Now, whether they just weren't calling it or whether people weren't doing it, he said the year before it was called once. This year it's already been called 11 or 12 times. I took that to maybe uh, mean he didn't say it, but the league has even made that more of an emphasis. I can't under I can't imagine. Can you all of a sudden that people are doing it more than they did in the past? I think the league must have said, man, this, you got to watch this more. So if this is a mandate, three times in the last two years, if this is I don't a know mandate, how you can argue that not being a penalty, it gets good called. Like like our buddy Wee said, man, if you see it, you got to call it. So if this is a mandate, you guys, we need you to keep a closer eye on this. We're just letting this slide. Then if you are the Chiefs, don't you coach up your receivers and, hey, guys, by the way, don't forget to check with the sideline judge. Yeah, and, and this is like you guys said, this is any receiver. I mean, in high school, this is a basic thing. You know, you don't line up offside. So just and like Jess was saying, he had a good point. Nine times out of ten, probably when it happens, there's a play that's inconsequential that follows, so nobody even pays attention to it. It just so happened. It's one of the iconic plays that could have been. And, and the thing is, what, what I've been gathering, reading, and this is not like a design play. This is something Kelsey just improvised. Can you imagine to make a play that great, and now it's going to go down as a footnote? It didn't even count. Yeah, uh, Mitch Holtis, who is the play-by-play voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, said during the play, before it got called, before they realized that it got called back, that they do this in practice a lot. Kelsey will improvise and do that. So I don't think it's the first time he's ever done it, but you're right. It was not a design of that particular play. But Holtus did bring up the fact that Kelsey has done this in practice several times. Just out of the blue, he will make a lateral pass like that. It should have been uh, a highlight that you look back on and say, man, what a freaking play. And he did it, I think, a couple times last year. Yeah, with over a minute ago, that's not something on the sideline to draw a play like that up, that's more of a last second, you know, desperation kind of play. You see that a lot. But and and the throw, like they said, he evaded two tacklers and then he's got a glove on and he throws like a, a spiral on a line to uh to Tony, man. I mean that's when I saw it happening in real time, before I even knew there was a flag I thought this is one of the most incredible plays probably in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I, I said that, that that would be the play of the year if it would have held. I mean, up. now, the you know, the ultimate play in the National Football League is the Immaculate Reception, but that was a fluke. I mean, that was a deflection. Uh, you know, that, that, that was kind of a fluky play. This was uh, a play that somebody just improvised, and it turned out to be a, a marvelous play that now will just be a footnote. Yeah, and it, but you know, I mean, and, and Tony, you know, I, I always feel bad when a guy screws up. Now this is more of a deal where, man, so so totally avoidable. I mean, in the heat of a moment, when a guy, you know, interferes with somebody, 
you know, you feel more bad, but this is like just a basic kind of thing. I mean, I don't know how you could even really line up that way. I mean, it's just almost incredible. But the Chiefs' issues definitely go a lot further than just somebody lining up. I mean, you know, and it, it's interesting, though, because, you know, Tyreek Hill and everything, they didn't have him last year. They basically had the same receiver core, minus Rashid Rice, who's probably been their best new receiver, and they were fine last year, so with basically the same people. So it's easy to say, well, you let Tyreek – well, we know why they let Tyreek Hill go. It's not like they didn't want the guy. It's hard to pay two guys that kind of money. It's just, it's just hard to do if you want to have any kind of a balanced roster. And I mean, one of the reasons that they're as good as they are on defense this year, much improved, and statistically the best defense that Andy Reid has had in Kansas City is because they had money to pay guys that they would not have had had they shelled out money for Tyreek Hill. Like if they kept Tyreek Hill, Chris Jones probably wouldn't have been there. I mean, there's probably you could name people that probably yeah. So it's just you know that's what makes the leagues with the salary cap interesting, man, because. A good GM, you know, you got to be able to, you know, make tough decisions. I mean, sure, who wouldn't want a Tyreek Hill on your team? But it's just hard to keep all these high-paid guys. One other thing to keep in mind, Jess, he brought up Chris Jones. Um, in the loss in Green Bay, Chris Jones, no tackles, no sacks. Last night, Chris Jones, no tackles, no sacks. It's been three games since Chris Jones has even had a tackle. And that's one of the reasons why Kansas City defense doesn't impress you near as much. And we talked, I talked about how much of one player can influence a team. And, you know, he's one of them. Now, he had a couple of quarterback hits last night. But uh, the bottom line, Marty, uh, they are two and four in their last six games, and just one time have they scored as many as twenty-one points. Only one time over twenty points. I the last six games, I just don't think you can look at the Chiefs and think that they are even a factor in the postseason. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't get better and that they cannot go on the road and win a playoff game. But right now, watching them. You do not feel this is one of the elite teams in the National Football League. At least I don't. They're not. No, they're definitely. They don't. I, I would never count them out. Like you say, when you got Mahomes and he got such an improved defense, you never count them out. But it's hard to have a lot of faith in them because when you had the most faith in the Chiefs is when you knew you almost knew going in minimum Chiefs are going to score thirty points a game. What's kind of weird is that if, if, if that would have still been the case this year, they'd be rolling over teams because they, they hardly ever give up 20 points. Even yesterday, say their defense didn't play that great, but they gave 20 points. You know, In the old days, that would be an easy Chiefs win when you give up 20 points. Hey, Marty, to switch to college football, memo to Furman University, uh, do not – kick the football to Junior Bergen uh, on kickoffs or punt returns. Last year, the Red Hawks had a huge lead at Montana. They get a kick return and a punt return in the same game. Bergen returned the punt. They had another guy that got the kickoff. Uh, on Saturday, Junior Bergen returned a kickoff and a punt for a touchdown. That's two playoff games in Missoula 
where they flip the game and in overtime they beat Furman. Memo to Furman, do not <laughs> kick the ball to their returners. I was going to mention, I watched every one of those four FCS quarterfinal games, man. That was a I don't know if Eric, if he had a chance to see that game. I yes, know you're on yes. the road. That I, I, was an unbelievable game. Furman made one of the plays of the year on fourth down in the closing seconds where they threw a touchdown pass. That was an unbelievable play. And then they forced overtime, but that was a heck of a game, man. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. North Dakota State, who the first time in forever was not seeded because they didn't have that great a regular season, and they turned it on in the playoffs. They go to Montana. That place is going to be nuts. Yeah, they won on the road uh, handily over South Dakota. So you've got – Montana hosting North Dakota State, Howard at uh, Florida A&M. I mean, that's just, you know, that's not as far as the FCS playoffs. Albany at South Dakota State, who is 12-0. You got a couple of really good games coming up. Yeah, South Dakota State's run like 27, 28 games in a row. They're defending national champs. They returned like everybody. I think they've barely had a close game this year, and uh be hard to imagine them not winning the title. But uh, that other semifinal game will be a barn burner because North Dakota State, you know, they're the tradition, and Montana, is, uh, they uh, they packed that stadium, as Simo knows from going there last. Montana really wasn't that great last year. It's still a shame. Simo couldn't win that game. They kind of reloaded this year. They got a freshman quarterback who's done well, a freshman running back. That returner's still there, so that that'll be a great game to watch. That one. South Dakota State, Marty, is already a twenty-two and a half point favorite over Albany, and Montana is a home underdog, a one and a half point dog at home to North Dakota State. Yeah, that uh, that makes sense because North Dakota State just kind of had an uncharacteristic. Well, we say down season. I think they went eight and three, which. 90% of the teams that would, would love to have that season, but for them, that was a down season. And uh, they look like they've kind of gotten back to their old North Dakota. And, I, and their, their head coach, now he's still going to coach, he took a job. Who did he take it as linebackers coach at USC? Yeah, he took a job. So he's leaving after uh, their playoff run ends. But anyway, I don't know how many people that are listening like the SCS playoffs, and I know Eric and me do, man, since – we, you know, follow Simo and just I, I like any level of good playoff football, but that's some, that's some darn good football. Marty, it was, and Jess, I, I don't know if you predicted that Jaden Daniels would win the Heisman Trophy for LSU. It came down to Michael Penix of Washington and Jaden Daniels, who won it for LSU. I think, you know, Bo Nix would have had. Uh, more of a puncher's chance had Oregon not lost to Washington again. Uh, but Jaden Daniels put up monstrous numbers. But the the story for me and where we are in the country, Cody Schrader got a first-place vote. He finished eighth in the Heisman Trophy voting. What a what a story Cody Schrader has been. Yeah, it is. And uh, I, I really – did you hear the post-game – uh, acceptance speech for the Heisman for Jaden Daniels. Yeah, yeah, boy, he nailed it, didn't he? Yep. I mean, very articulate. He gave people credit for what he did. Mentioned God a couple times. I mean, this is a young man that's got it all together. So I think on the next level, you'll see him do well, very well, and 
I think he deserved it. I think he'd been one of the guys I I would have picked. I didn't make any picks, but he would be right there. It's How about inter- you, Marty? It's interesting, the criteria, Marty, because you go back to the year that uh, – that Marshall Fox should have won the Heisman Trophy at San Diego State. Smaller school. They didn't have this great record like Miami did. And Gino Toretta, who quarterbacked an undefeated Miami team, won the Heisman over Marshall Falk. Uh, this year, that didn't enter into the criteria, the fact that LSU had three losses. They picked the guy they thought was the best player. Yeah, I like that. And generally, if a guy is the Heisman winner that not off one of the elite teams, he's got to have one of those just eye-popping kind of seasons. And it's hard to argue that Daniels didn't. I mean, you throw in all those oh, well over 1,000 runs. And he had some unbelievable games where he single-handedly, like at the Mizzou game. He yes, probably, yes. It's hard to say anybody single-handedly beats another team. That's what I'm saying. But we all saw that game. If he wasn't on the field, Mizzou wins five by 20 points. You know what I'm saying? He was like Superman, and it wasn't just against Mizzou. He did that a bunch of times. So I got no argument with him winning the Heisman, that's for sure. But great for Schrader, man, to be a top 10 Heisman. We talked about his story before, man. What a what a story. And I didn't think probably going into the season, but the more you saw him play this year, I don't think he'll be a high draft choice, but I'd be I'd be surprised if he doesn't make some NFL roster. From Division Two player to walk on to Heisman Trophy voting number eight. That's pretty cool story. Semo basketball, Marty, the men lost at Purdue Fort Wayne, who improves to ten and one. They're really good. Uh, that's as well as Simo has played all season long. I know it's a loss, uh, but there are a lot of good things that happen in that game, and maybe that kickstarts them just a little bit here, just before conference play. They've got two more games before conference play starts, and they will start at home with Southern Indiana, who is, I don't know, them and Lindenwood. I, I, Southern Indiana may be the worst team in the league. Maybe, I mean, I, I don't know, Western Illinois has already got five wins. I th- anyway, uh, you know, Southern Indiana is going to be a bottom feeder in the league. Uh, that's who SEMO starts with, but uh, a lot of positives, even though the Red Hawks lost on the road Saturday. Yeah, I thought Simo looked really good. I mean, I'm not taking, I'm not counting the hair still in Missouri Baptist. That's by far the best they've looked against any D1 team, and for sure any good D1 team. I know they squeezed by Central Arkansas, who's not that great, but against a legitimately good team, I thought Simo looked really good. And now, granted, it was a low bar to clear because they looked so bad against their other games. I mean, they. Against their other D1 teams, other than Central Arkansas, they've been blown out from the start, but they were right in this game. And uh, defensively, they still struggle. They struggled last year defensively, but they had such a good offense. And their struggle defensively this year, I don't know if that will change a whole lot, but if their offense gets going and plays like it did the other night in the OVC, you'll beat a lot of teams. So, And Rob Martin, the more he plays, the more you know he looks – you take out his first few games where he was knocking off some rust, man. He looked like a really elite OBC point guard. And uh, roll back to tape. I remember when Simo picked him up. Nobody around here knew much about him. And old buddy Ronnie D. He always shows me in on uh, guys Simo signs. Or he told me they got a great player, Rob Martin. He really Dean really wanted to recruit him at 
Louise Monroe and he wanted to stay closer to home, he told me Rob Martin's going to be really, really good. And he is looking that way. But if Simo can think, if Simo keeps that offensive flow going against, I'm not counting Lindsey Wilson. I'm sure they'll have a good offensive flow in that game. Simo will be fine if they play like that. I was really impressed with the way they played. And TJ Beal, uh, what a game for this guy. His uh, his breakout game at Division One. Remember, uh, he was hurt most of I think he only played in five games before he was out for the rest of the year last year at Triton College, which, by the way, is uh, in River Groves, Illinois, up by Chicago in Cook County. Uh, TJ Beal, 23 points and nine rebounds. He goes 8 of 11 from the floor. He looks like, a, you know, at at 6'7", long and athletic, he looks like he could really impact the Redhawks. Yeah, he looked really good. Simos had guys at various times look good, and then some that, you know, it's a matter of being more consistent. That They definitely have to get more consistent, you know, in their post kind of play. Like David Idata, you know, he's, he's a work in progress for sure, you know, and he, I'm sure he'll keep improving and, uh, Josh Early, I know he's been banged up. They need to keep start getting more out of him. And honestly, they need to Dylan Branson back for sure. It's nothing else just to be one of those, you know, kind of really inspirational guys that had so much all around. And Kobe, Kobe Clark? Clark's, Kobe Clark's not really a scorer, but, man, they could sure use him rebounding uh, because I know last year overall they weren't that great a rebounding team. So, anyway, Seymour will be fine for the OVC, and I – I think you're still a few games off. I, I think I think you're right about Southern Indiana, Eric. I've seen a, most of the OVC teams play at least a few times and look at the box scores through ESPN Plus. Southern Indiana, I don't think I don't know if they were picked last. They were picked low because they they had a good team last year. You know, a lot of times if you're a really good D2 program like they were, your first year in D1, you're you're halfway decent because some of those good D2 players could play D1. But once those guys kind of get filtered out of the program, it's hard to recruit early in D1. And their best players left the program. And they I don't think they beat a D1 team yet. So, Simo has a really good chance to win that first conference game. And then they host Moorhead, who's looking like a really solid team, like they always are. So, uh but anyway, that's probably looking too far ahead to start talking about the OBC yet. They still got a couple of games before the OBC. And they've got to go to Illinois State um, before Christmas. I thought it was interesting. Did you see the story uh, about the uh, potential racial slur uh, in an Illinois State basketball game in Bloomington Normal where there were ejections, they ejected fans, the use of the N-word apparently was thrown around, at least that's the allegation. Uh, I wonder, you know, how how that's going to affect things when they host SEMO coming up and, you know, the kind of off-the-court distraction here for Illinois State. I did read that article, kind of disturbing article, uh, where, uh, if, if that's true about fans, you know, you, it's disgusting to even hear something like that. But uh, if SEMO plays like they did against Fort Wayne, this is not supposedly a good – and Coach Corn had a good point, though, when I heard one of your uh, – I don't know which interview I heard with you, Eric, but going into the – and we'll see, some of these teams SEMO played might not turn out to be that great by the end of the year. 
But when 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 Semo, you know, when you look at Semo's schedule before the season, most of these non-conference games, I'm not counting the four ones a lot of the other non-conference games against teams that had bad years last year, and you didn't expect they'd be much better, but some of these teams are looking better than their projections, so it might be a little tougher schedule than maybe Simo even planned on having, you know, but this is not supposed to be a really good Illinois State team, but, you know, it depends what Simo team, if the Simo team that played like against UMKC and Evansville Chattanooga goes there, it'd be hard to win. If they play like they did against Fort Wayne, I'd say they got a good chance to go there and win. Southern Indiana, by the way, picked ninth out of 11 in the preseason poll. It's Southern Indiana 9, Lindenwood 10, Eastern Illinois 11. So that's the way it shakes out in that preseason poll. Uh, $700 million, guys, for Shohei Otani and the Los Angeles Dodgers. What were your thoughts when you when you saw that figure, Jess? Mm. Well, <laughs> now we'll talk more about it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know, me being an old school guy on that end of it, uh, I I kind of went wow, like everybody else did. And, and my thing is, where is the ceiling on this stuff? Is somebody going to make a eventually uh, one hundred fifty million a year? Yeah, I don't know, and that's the part that got me. I mean. Everybody understands they're getting the premier player in baseball and a two-way player. So he's going to get more money. I don't, of course, but not having to pay it, I don't care. I wish the Cardinals would have got him. So it's not, nothing to me, but it, it is a wow number. The only thing, I, I, it is hard to believe, you know, anybody can make that kind of money. But I will say this, if somebody in that organization is making that money that you would be paying. So why should the owners make that extra, you know, $70 million a year? Why shouldn't the players? The players are the product that people go. Because somebody in that organization is making that much money if they can pay that person that money. So I'd rather see the players get it than the owners keep it. What do you think, Jeff? Well, I, yeah, I've said that several times about uh, being overwhelmed by all you hear is what certain people make, you know, the top of the line. But for every person that makes that, there's probably 50 guys in the minors struggling to just eat and make ends meet, trying to pursue their career. So it's a very small number. I bet it's not over 3 or 4% of guys that are at the top compared to guys that are either making, you know, AAA money on down. So, I, yeah, I think we dwell on stuff like that, and I think overall – I don't have a problem with that. I was in labor all my life. So, you know, good and well, I'm on side with guys making the great wages. And if there's anybody going to make that, he's the guy. I mean, I, that part of it, is, it just really doesn't mean a lot to me what salaries these guys make. I just like watching them. Plus, you said it before, man, all the other money that team's going to make with, with, I don't know, increased ticket sales, because they pretty well sell out most games anyway, but all the merchandise and – now they can raise these ticket prices, you know, probably. And uh, although the, for this first year, he'll probably be too overpaid as just a DH. But then down the line, as, as long as he's still healthy with a pitch, then you'd say, well, if, if, it, if one guy that good at, on either side is going to make 35-40, he probably deserves that $70 million a year. Yeah, name me one other team that ever went into a World Series. Let's hypothetically say they would get there. 
that your best player, you'd like to see the the best guy on the team at the plate with the bases loaded would be him, and the guy you would start in the seventh game of the World Series would be him. So you got you got a lot. Of, you got to put the whole thing in the mix. I think if you're the Dodgers, and I think the Dodgers, we all thought the Dodgers would probably get him. Them in New York, and I think when New York got Soto. They kind of dropped back a little bit. On we this, can roll but... back the tape months, and you and I both thought he's going to L.A. Yeah, and I think most people did. Marty, the uh, Rusty Hendricks sent me the uh, bracket hot off the presses for the Southeast Missouri and Christmas tournament. Cape Central, the one seed, Jackson two, Charleston three, Notre Dame four, and the Woodland Cardinals number five. Yeah, I thought it was a great tournament. Cape Central just, I think half their team's hurt right now, and they're still, you know, pretty good once they get everybody back. But, man, did you guys, uh, I don't know, probably weren't there, but I wasn't there because I knew it would probably be hard to get in. But they had a barn burner at that SEMO uh, conference tournament with Sykes in a new matter the other night. That sounded like an unbelievable game. Sykes in one seventy-two to seventy. Uh, those you talk about some elite basketball, man, in that SEMO conference. Well, I was not there. I did read the recaps of it and uh, tweets about the game. And man, full house game that went right down to the wire. Uh, I have not looked at their schedules. I hope. I hope they play again in the regular season. I know they do because they're both in that SEMO conference. Good. So they'll play, I'm Good. sure, at least one other time. And uh, Matter County Central's got, you know, they, we know about Jadis Jones going to, going to Coastal Carolina to play football and uh, basketball. I think he had, like, something close to 40 points and 20, 20 rebounds. He's he's just a tremendous athlete. and. I think Bison he. I think so, he fouled out Bison late in the so game. Loaded. They had a good team anyway, and they picked up you know PJ Farmer from Charleston, who who moved there, and he's playing for them. So man, that's a heck of a team. And once Cape Central gets healthy, that's a heck of a team. But a lot of good basketball as usual. All right, uh, I'm taking a look at Sykeston's schedule, and let's see. This is great radio here. <laughs> Trying to see when they play New Madrid County. Okay. Oh, no. Game results. All right. How about if I click on the right link here? Uh, just for anybody that's already planning for the rematch, they are going to play on February 13th at Sykeston. How about that? I bet that'll be another packed house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not going to be able to. Yeah, it, it'll be a sellout. What else, Marty? I think we covered it. Good, good, good session here. All right, good talk, and uh, we will speak again next week. Sounds good. See you guys. All right, that is the Monday Marty party. Jess, hello to the lovely and talented Dawn Sean. She will have the day off today, coming off a 12-hour shift. Uh, worked 7 to 7 overnight, and she's tuning into the show. Say hello to her. Hope she has a wonderful day. You got a final uh, final nugget? Uh, yeah, I just want to say hi to my girls down in Texas and Columbia and my boys running around here in this area. I, uh, I'm going to leave you with this. It's an oldie. Uh, I read it a couple times during COVID, the year 20, which was one we all would like to forget. Accept what is and let go of what was. 
and have faith in what will be. I don't know who wrote that, but it's a good one. And what will be for us is the coaches show at noon at Capes Wings at Center. We'll talk with uh, Red Hawks head coach Brad. One Korn. other note, Eric, before we get off. Hats off to the kicker for Dallas. Last night, a 60-yarder, a 59-yarder, and then a measly little chip shot of 45 yards. Yeah. Uh, and I think they said he's 30 in a row. That 60-yarder would have been good from a lot longer, yes, man. That probably was set an NFL record. The guy was drafted in the first round by the MLS. He yeah. was a great soccer player, and he chose football. How about that? That was a great sign for Dallas. That was good for your Cowboys. I know you root for them. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Jess, we'll run it back tomorrow. It's low shot right in the show. <laughs> Stay tuned. Greeny is coming up. Enjoy your Monday, everybody. Mm-hmm.